Folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast, where we explore mental health and your favorite fictional characters, or whatever we feel like talking about this day. Uh, this is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. Katie, how are you doing on this wonderful Friday afternoon? I'm doing well. How about you? Not too bad. It's always a great day when I get the podcast. So I'm looking forward to a special podcast today. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite podcasters. So it's a bit of a meta podcast in some ways. Maybe not, because we're not talking about our own podcast. or But we're talking about podcasts. I think it still counts yeah. as meta. Well, this is our podcast, so we get to define the terms. So, yes, it counts. It does in, in our meta way that it's defined. Welcome to the United Council Medicast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, first things first, as always, current events. I don't have a lot this week, but a couple of new trailers that I saw. Well, actually, maybe before we talk about the trailers, we should continue our Star Wars Rogue One uh, countdown which is coming down to six, no, seven days. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Uh, a week from today. So really looking forward to that. I've been kind of on a sort of trailer hiatus. I don't want to see anything else. I just want to get hyped up and see the movie and just enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to, I haven't bought tickets yet, so I should really do that this weekend. And then I will probably go on a social media sort of blackout to avoid any potential spoilers which I don't know what kind of spoilers there will be, given we kind of know the outcome of the story. But there could be some still. You never know. It's not worth risking ruining the experience. And and I'm guessing afterwards we will spend some time talking about Rogue One on this episode, on this podcast. So. Absolutely. Um, but before that, uh, we have trailers to talk about. So a couple of trailers that we saw coming out in the last couple of weeks, or at least one dropped today, I think, was the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer which is the Spider-Man, or the trailer for the independent sort of Spider-Man movie that's coming out. So Spider-Man, of course, was reintroduced in the um, Captain America Civil War movie. And what's kind of cool about that was, um, I don't know, he's kind of much younger. So this is sort of the third reboot of Spider-Man we've had in not so many years, which is kind of a lot. But I think this one's going to be kind of cool because it gets at more of the Spider-Man I think a lot of folks are used to seeing in the comics. Uh, he's got the same sort of humor, I think, that we've come to know and love, but he's, like, much closer to, like, 15 years old, I think, so oh. it's a little bit different. I think he's meant to, like, be a high schooler, even in, like, the Tobey Maguire era, but I don't know if I believe it. It's kind of like... <laughs> How old was Tobey Maguire? Uh, he looked, when he he looked like he was, like, 30, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm here for high school. I don't know. I failed my senior year 20 times. 20 times. Uh, it makes you wonder about his spidering abilities. No, yeah. like, but the trailer looks great. Well, it might be hard to pass your classes if you're trying to save people all the time. I can barely pass mine and I'm not saving <laughs> anyone. So. Um, other than that, we've got the new Lego Batman movie coming up, and that sure looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, is it Will Arnett playing? Yep. Yes. yes it is. Oh, Have you had a chance to watch the trailer yet? I haven't watched the trailer, okay. but I loved him in Arrested Development as Job. Oh, yeah. So funny. And I and I also liked him in the Lego movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of reprising that role in the Batman focused one. Uh, the trailer is so goofy. It just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. And uh, there's a couple different trailers. They're all really funny. So I think it'll be good. It looks like it sort of takes a look at Batman developing a team. He's got Robin and Batgirl, I think. So Batgirl. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I think those both look great. If folks haven't seen them, go ahead and check them out. Let us know what you think. Uh, what other movies are you looking forward to? 
uh, seeing him have tweeted at us. Uh, we'd love to hear about that stuff. So, but other than that, I think maybe if you have no other current events, Katie, we can jump right into the topic of the day. No, I'm very behind on on current event comic stuff, so I still haven't seen Doctor Strange. I'm like, oh I won't, I won't be so delayed with Rogue One and things like that. But I've got a lot of catching up to do, perhaps over winter break. Oh yeah, things get busy, and especially in the sort of end of the semester time, it gets hard to keep up with uh, the movies and reading the comics and everything else. And you've got the crunch going, so yeah. that's right. But uh, so I think what we're going to talk about today is some of our favorite podcasters. I kind of alluded to that earlier. And uh, these are some podcasters who were introduced to me a while ago uh, when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons originally. Um, my friend John was suggesting some podcasts to me, and he said, you should really check out this great podcast. It's called The Adventure Zone. So I gave it a listen, and I thought it was kind of funny. Um, but I stuck it out, and I just absolutely fell in love with the podcast. Uh, it's it's not very traditional for Dungeons & Dragons. It takes some liberties, uh, but it's so funny. The characters are so well-developed. And uh, so the folks that do these are um, Griffin, Travis, and Justin, and their father, Clint McElroy. And these are guys, uh, these three brothers, I think, kind of made their claim to fame with the podcast known as My Brother, My Brother, and Me. So what My Brother, My Brother, and Me is is an advice podcast where they take questions from uh, when they started, it was from a variety of different sources, but now it's just questions that people either submit or that they find on Yahoo Answers, and they answer them, and it's it's very humorous, uh, and every once in a while they'll give you a little pro wisdom too, but it, it's mostly all goofs at this point, and, and it's great. The Adventure Zone, of course, is their Dungeons & Dragons podcast that they all do together, and that one has uh, just gotten wildly popular, um, <clears throat> and so have the brothers themselves. The Adventure Zone podcast, uh, recently they did a fan art book called The Adventure Scene, where they kind of, they actually didn't organize it, someone else did, but they kind of gave it the okay seal of approval, uh, organized and compiled some fan art, and what they did was sold those um, to donate to a charity from, I think, their hometown that was related to um, helping with hunger, and raised like over $100,000 selling these things, and sort of a Kickstarter kind of thing, so that was awesome. Uh, they recently recorded a season of a TV show based on their My Brother, My Brother and Me podcast. So that's so good. Uh, and certainly I think they were with some other folks, but certainly an inspiration for me to want to get involved in podcasting too. I, they're just absolutely so, they have this wonderful balance of being so funny and also they do so much good and they use their fan base and their reach to try to send out some positive messages and support people. And in a lot of ways just do a lot of things that I think are inspirational that uh, I, I find myself trying to work towards doing as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I heard about them through you, and um, I haven't. I'm, I've listened to Adventures on which I enjoy quite a bit. I enjoy it more since I've started playing Dungeons and Dragons because I understand some more mm -hmm. of the humor now. But even that, it was fun to hear when the ones with less experience are learning how to play and kind of how that goes. That was really fun. And my brother, my brother, and me is just fantastic. If I'm stressed out or feeling down and I listen to that, I often feel way better because mm. I just laugh so hard. But like you're saying, the, the great thing about it is not only are they very, very funny and very creative, but they also seem to do a lot of good in the world. They've, they've raised money for a couple different important causes and they, they just seem like they take 
fan feedback or concerns very seriously and try to address them. And I, I just really admire that in addition to just enjoying their comedy, which is brilliant. Absolutely. I, I like that you mentioned their creativity because that's something I really like about them too. Uh, so in addition to these two podcasts, they also have a bunch of individual ones. Uh, they each do individual podcasts with their uh, significant others. Uh, they each do a couple other ones with their friends. Um, they do YouTube shows uh, with Polygon, which is a video game review company. Uh, they used to write articles. Uh, so they're just all over the place. And it's just, it's really cool to me to take these things that you're really passionate about, uh, which are maybe video games, comics, and be able to develop a whole podcast sort of video empire almost uh, that's funny, entertaining, interesting. Uh, you get some news through some of these podcasts, that very unbiased sort of reporting, and they're also doing a lot of good things. So, yeah, Sawbones is another one that, oh, that's uh, mm -hmm. a medical history podcast. Very informational. It is, oh, but also goodness. funny. And, and so, approachable and accessible. It's The information is presented in a way that's not, it doesn't make you feel bad that you didn't know it or hard to understand. Yeah, no, so they're, they're great at it, and you're right. It, we talked a little bit about this a few episodes ago, but that kind of do-it-yourself um, like Felicia Day kids, but you get some of that spirit here too, and they have people helping them, especially with the TV show yeah. and things like that. But a lot of this stuff is them creating content and um, just working really hard at doing all this wonderful stuff. And so I just I admire them a lot too. I think Absolutely. what they've done is is something to look up to. Uh, followers on Twitter might, or your Twitter specifically, might have seen the other day <laughs> that not our Twitter, but uh, that uh, the AV Club sort of talked about how my brother, my brother, me was one of the podcasts that was most likely to cheer you up if you're feeling down. Is that about? That's exactly right. Yeah. It was, yeah, that's right. It was um, most uplifting kind of thing, and um, I thought that that was really cool because I think when you think about comedy, sometimes. People think it's kind of a frivolous or an extra yes. thing, but the truth is that it there is research that comedy and humor can be used to cope with stressful events and, and can be kind of a way to be resilient in the face of that. So I like that they specifically were recognized for being able to lift people's spirits and within their fan base and their Facebook appreciation group, you see that too, people suffering from chronic physical, mental illnesses, and other stressors, and they say, listen to your podcast, really help me get through that tough time. And Absolutely. so that that's incredibly meaningful work that they're doing. Um, maybe it's worth talking a little bit more about just because, so actually I'm going to take a step back before we dive into this mm -hmm. next part. Um, I can't, and I think I speak for us both when I say recommend enough any of sort of the McElroy podcasts. Uh, so you have, if you're interested in checking them out, there's a variety of topics, but I think they're all worth listening to. You have My Brother, My Brother, and Me, The Adventure Zone, Sawbones, Trends Like These, uh, Cool Games, Inc., Schmanners, Rose Buddies. I don't think they do that anymore. That's one Griffin and his wife did oh, about The Bachelor, oh. a weekly sort of one about The Bachelor. Uh, Bunker Buddies, that's a sort of post-apocalyptic one. Uh, I think that's all of them I can think of offhand. There are plenty more, I'm sure. Uh, they have their own website where they list all of their projects. You can find everything they're working on. Uh, they're just absolutely great people. And please, if you're a fan of podcasts, which obviously you are if you're listening to this, check it out. It's worth listening to. Um, the next thing I thought maybe that would be worth talking about, Katie, is I think uh, 
would you be willing to tell us a little bit about the way that you can kind of mix humor and mood? So talking about my brother and my brother being, and me being one of the sort of podcasts that's most likely to improve your mood or lift your mood, I know one thing that you wrote about on your personal blog or your lab website blog is kind of this intersection between humor and mental health. And I know just from uh, being friends with you, talking to you, that humor is something that you're very interested in, uh, certainly with uh, funny shows, comedians, and across the board. So maybe you just tell us a little about what you know about that. Yeah, I think you certainly know more than I do, so I'd love to hear what you know. Sure, I'm happy to share. So I've, I've thought about it a few times, but never actually done my own research on humor. But something I've noticed, for example, is that some therapists are very skilled at using humor. And one of the ways that it comes out is that they'll have a client talking about a situation. And if they can frame a joke appropriately and empathically, it can help that client to get into a new mindset where they actually have a little boost of positive mood. And there is evidence that having a little bit of positive mood can help you problem solve. So if you're kind of set in a really negative mind state, um, maybe experiencing depression or something like that, and there's some way a therapist can kind of lighten the mood momentarily and appropriately, it has to be done skillfully, then that can turn things around. And one of the ways that I think it does that is just when you're in a positive mood, you kind of can think more creative, more creatively. Fix that later. Uh, you don't have to. Um, anyway, you have you can think more creatively about solutions. But the other thing is that sometimes it, when you comedy, one of the big things about it that I appreciate is it gives you a new spin on a situation, and that's part of what's so funny about it is that it's just presents a new perspective. And a lot of time in therapy, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, is there another way to view this negative situation? Yeah. So if something bad happens and the person's viewing it as very stressful, it's not about saying uh, that it's not stressful, but let's say, I don't know, I'll pick something kind of straightforward. Say that they um, have a problem, they get in a car accident, and that's a very stressful event, and they're feeling very bad about it. There might be a way to look at it in a different light, such as such that they can um, learn from it, or they learn that they had a lot of friends that stepped up when they were in the car accident, or they learned that they can be resilient in the face of stress. So the therapist is really trying to get a different perspective. Sometimes that's through humor, sometimes it's not. But anyway, so I've never done research on it, but I am very interested in it personally. And I wrote this blog post on my lab website, as you mentioned, um, last May after seeing some of the writers from The Daily Show do stand-up comedy. And for can, can I jump in mm -hmm. real quick? Is humor something that you've used in a session before? Because I'm thinking about my own work. And uh, humor, I like to think of myself as kind of a humorous person. I like to use humor. Um, I just like humor in general. And, mm -hmm. and I like to make people laugh. And I remember I used it a lot in teaching because I think it really helps facilitate a comfortable sort of learning environment. But I've never used it in a therapy session. Really? And, and I think I'm kind of reflecting on that right now for the first time in, in that I guess it does kind of surprise me because in a lot of ways, humor is my sort of go-to approach to things, but I've never done it in, in a therapy session before. So. That's really interesting. Yeah. It is risky to mm -hmm. use humor because the last thing you want to do is have your client think that you're making fun of them right. or that you're trivializing them. I do, but it depends on the client. So often if a client starts off by joking with me, I can sure. kind of match that. If they're doing it to avoid a serious topic, then I don't kind of join in. But if they're... If they're using it as a way to reframe a situation, I'm, I'm trying to think of um, one off the top of my head. I had a client who got a new pair of glasses and, and she said something to me like, 
and you didn't even notice my new glasses and she was pretending she was really mad at me. And so I, I laughed at that because she was just trying to think to connect and, yeah. and build rapport. So it wasn't really related to the problem, but I feel like if I didn't match her humor there, then it would have been seen as some kind of rejection. It was a way to connect. But I guess another thing, a way that I've used humor is that I'll have clients who will say something and I'll exaggerate what they're saying to kind of get a point across and it can be humorous. So for example, if they're someone who's overly perfectionistic or something like that, and they're talking about how um, they did this, I don't know, they did a presentation in class and they're so disappointed because they messed up Maybe they misspoke. They said creatively wrong. <laughs> I still can't say it. Um, that kind of thing. And they'll just kind of be really bummed out about it. And I might say something like, you're right. You should never, ever do a presentation again. And you should never show your face again because you misspoke or something. And so I'll say it in kind of an exaggerated way that they laugh at how ridiculous their interpretation was. So it's not really like telling a joke because it's fun to make people laugh. It's more like exaggerating something to make a point, which they can laugh at themselves. And I wouldn't do that with every client, but sometimes it's effective when you take things to that extreme and they're able to see, okay, you're right. I I wasn't really interpreting this in the best way, but it also has to be done from a place that your client knows that you really care about them too, that you're not ridiculing them. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for letting me interrupt. Tell us a little bit about the research. No problem. And I, and one more thing I'll say is my, my dad is a therapist and he's one of the funniest people. He's probably the funniest person I've ever met. And he, uses humor a lot and and I think that it's very effective at building rapport but it's also effective in again helping people to have a little more lightheartedness when they're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to approach situations so I think some of that influenced me too um but um so I looked into what the research said and I'll give some bullet points of what I found there is actually a whole book about this stuff I think it's called the humor code or something but anyway um it looks like from the research that positive types of humor, when you look at absurdities in a situation in a sympathetic, good-natured way, I actually forgot <laughs> about that research. That's exactly what I just talked about. <laughs> I'm glad that, it, that I got it from somewhere. <laughs> um, but positive types of humor like that tend to make people feel better than negative types of humor, like mocking and putting oh, down others. Well, that adds up. Yeah. yeah. Mocking others. For some reason, that seems to not improve mental health. I know that's a shocking finding. I think this is another good point where things seem intuitive, mm-hmm. but let's not always stress our intuition, and let's just make sure that there's scientific literature to, uh, to support what we're saying. Exactly. And it's right there. We've got it. So yeah. You, you might be saying at home, really, I mean, thanks. Thank you, Brandon and Katie, for that nugget of wisdom. Not a pearl, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yes, no, so I think that happens sometimes. And yeah. It's always good to yeah because without knowing that you could imagine that when you look for absurdities in situations that people might feel worse if you're looking at how ridiculous the situation is but this suggests that no that can actually help Uh, another point from a different study is that humor has a better chance of making you feel better when it's very engaging so for example 
material that makes you laugh really, really hard. So, like, listening to my brother, my brother and me. Makes or me laugh podcast. Well, clearly, <laughs> we're, we're quite at that level. That helps if you're in a bad mood versus stuff that's less engaging. So, like, something that you kind of, like, politely smile, but it's not really that funny. I'm mm-hmm. not going to name any names, but some podcasts Marvel are like movies. that. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't help as much. The effect seems to be that your attention is more fully engaged when the material is something that's really intense. And distracts you from negative emotions at the moment. You shouldn't seek to avoid negative emotions, but in some cases it's helpful to take a break from them, like yes. ruminating, like we've talked about in the past. And so if you laugh at something really hard, then that can sometimes get you into a better mindset. And then this I found really interesting. When I was learning about this type of therapy called dialectical behavior therapy, for people who aren't familiar with it, one of the strategies in it. based on the person who created it, Linehan is irreverence and kind of looking at situations in unusual and humorous ways. And when we were learning that, some of my classmates were like, I'm just not like a funny person. Like I'm a fine person, but I'm not that funny. And how can I use that therapy? Well, the interesting thing is that people don't, this research suggests don't have to be naturally funny to use humor as a coping strategy. You can learn how to see humor in stressful situations if given instructions and examples. So that means if you have a client who seems really serious all of the time, you can teach them to kind of try to find something funny. So if they have, um, they're really irritable when they're stuck in traffic or something like that, you can try to get them to find some kind of amusing way to look at, at the situation and that, that comes to them and that can be helpful even if they're not naturally thinking about that. Interesting. So that's really great ways Humor can be incorporated not only in maybe a therapeutic session, like with the first bullet point, but uh, just in everyday sort of situations. Yeah, exactly. And so there's kind of the more obvious, like you turn to something that's humorous, like McElroy Brothers. I don't know. I cannot pronounce things correctly today. Anyway, um, but I'm laughing at that because if I didn't laugh at it and like cried instead, then I would want to stop talking if I just focused on how I couldn't pronounce it. And people might stop listening. That's true. (laughs) That's exactly right. So that is an example of how humor can be used as a coping strategy. Thank you for demonstrating that. That was really my intention from the beginning. So now that we've kind of nerded out a little bit about the Matheroys and humor and some of the things that are interesting, I thought we could continue with our uh, sort of tribute episode to them and maybe follow suit and answer a few of our own Yahoo answers. So we picked a few of them ahead of time, and these are all questions that were posted in the psychology Yahoo answers section. Um, I avoided choosing questions that were funny because the last thing that I want to do is sort of trivialize mental health, and there's a lot of really, I think, inappropriate sort of questions in there for lack of a better term, especially speaking from a mental health perspective. So I thought what one thing that we could do is maybe shift gears a little bit for ourselves, and, and this will be maybe a little more serious than some of the stuff that we do, but maybe address some sort of broad questions or maybe myths or misconceptions that people have about mental health that we found on the Yahoo Answers. That sounds great. Okay, so maybe to start off with, we've got one here that was posted. Uh, the question is, I don't know, so I want to follow the exact sort of Yahoo Answer style and Griffin always says who is the the name of the person who posted, but I don't actually see that information. You know, I, I only that. see the question, uh, and that's okay. I'm okay with it. Um, so maybe in light of the question, the person posted anonymously. Oh, yep. You know what? That's what that little symbol means. I bet. 
so the question is, how do I overcome social anxiety? Uh, so maybe I'll just jump off and you can add to it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so social anxiety is uh, actually a specific mental health diagnosis, I think, is a, a good spot to start with that. It's uh, very specific. Social uh, phobia is what it's called. I don't know. Yeah, that's the full name. Yeah, right? social phobia, and then I think it has social anxiety sort of in parentheses. Yes. There's some okay. transition yes, period that's where there. I was, I was Same construct, but oh, I think yes. they were back and forth on what to call it. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know where they land. Uh, so, and I think we actually talked about the specific diagnostic criteria in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of time, I'm sure you've listened to all of our episodes. You probably remember it from there. But overcoming social anxiety or social phobia is actually something that uh, therapists or psychologists would be very good at helping people with. Treating that sort of anxiety is, is uh, I mean, it's one of the things that we're better at. I think. That's right, yeah. Yep, so the typical sort of treatment for any sort of anxiety, which we have talked about, is our sort of a response uh, prevention sort of thing. Uh, I know that's not the full name of it. I, I can't pronounce things today either. So we'll hold <laughs> on. Uh, both, um, but we're using humor to get through it. We're using our own humor to yeah. get through it. So, so this is the sort of uh, thing that I think a lot of people are familiar with, where you sort of desensitize yourself to the anxiety over time by exposing yourself to the thing that's making you anxious until eventually your body will habituate to that anxiety and you'll feel less anxious. And the trick is to maintain the exposure to that uh, stimuli until you start to feel less anxious. Otherwise, you reinforce the anxiety and will continue to feel it. So... Overcoming social anxiety. It can be very hard on your own. I would say, I don't know what the sort of rates look like of sort of uh, overcoming that without any sort of formal treatment. I don't know if you have any sense. It's of, pretty hard. I think yeah. without treatment, this condition tends to be pretty persistent. Yes. But because the nature of it is that people are afraid of negative evaluation, sometimes they're afraid to go talk to a therapist yes. about it, even because that social interaction is intimidating. I'd encourage you to do it anyway, though, if you can, because the treatment is very effective, like Brandon said. Absolutely. So I guess the take-home answer for how do I overcome social anxiety, uh, seek treatment. That's, that's going to be the best way. And ask for specifically um, cognitive behavioral therapy, as, yes. including components of exposure, like Brandon suggested, where you're actually engaging in those social interactions and habituating to your fear about it, and also some of the cognition. So thinking yeah. about... Um, just thoughts. A lot of people with social anxiety think that other people think really bad things yep. about them, and there's no evidence of that. And so this type of therapy can help you to assess how realistic your thoughts are. Absolutely. So one down. Uh, let's just keep on cruising through. Um, another sort of question that I thought might be worth addressing. Um, let's see here. Let's just take a look. See if we can find a, a good one. Uh, sure, this looks like kind a great of related one. to that last one. Yeah. So another question that we have here is uh, this question is once again I have no idea who the person is asking. Maybe. Oh, oh there, there we it go. Is. We're learning about Yahoo answers. So this question is asked by someone named Larry. Was that how you pronounce that? I think so. Not so traditionally. No. Was this posted today, December 9th? Oh, so they've been a member since. Today. Oh, maybe they just. So, their membership. Oh, you know what? I took them right from the top. Oh, so okay. it's very likely that this okay. was posted today. So the question is, is being an introvert and antisocial okay? Do you want to jump off on this one, Katie? And, and I feel like I'm speaking a lot over here. I, I took the last one. I'll let you talk a little this time and, and I'll add to the end. Sure. No, no problem. So the antisocial spelled anti-social and that sometimes is used in popular, popular language for people who 
don't like being in social situations. As we've talked a little bit on this podcast before, the clinical meaning of the word antisocial means that you actually violate social norms and typically has to do more with um, engaging in criminal behavior or bad behavior. In other words, you're antisocial and that you don't follow laws and other kind of things that society prescribes. Um, but I think what this person means is more to the point with the introvert question, people who tend to feel worn out after interacting with a lot of people who enjoy doing activities on their own. Um, people who have this are at higher risk for developing social anxiety, but most people who are introverts don't develop social anxiety. There is nothing wrong with being an introvert. It is perfectly fine. I think that in some places there is cultural pressure to be extroverted and people who are outgoing and friendly and socialize more are viewed as particularly valuable or successful. I think that's a fact. But but being shy or being an introvert, unless it's causing you personal distress or impairment. So like, for example, you want to have friends, but you feel you can't because you're too nervous to interact with people, then that might cause distress or if you want to be in a romantic relationship, but you're feeling so shy that you don't pursue that, then it can become problematic. But there are plenty of people who are introverted who just prefer to do things on their own. They have a smaller group of friends typically, or they just make sure they have alone time. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Very good. I have nothing to add. No, I think that's probably from an introverted person myself. I, yeah, I, I would hope there's nothing wrong, or nothing wrong with that. I think you actually pointed on the important uh, distinction for a lot of sort of maybe what might be defined as mental health sort of symptoms. Maybe not a lot, but things like being introverted, for example, where the you know you can't really define always the symptom or the behavior itself as being uh, diagnostic, but whether or not you but what you need to look at is whether or not there is impairment or distress as a result of it, and that's when you know that something uh, is diagnostic or something maybe needs to be. Exactly. When it gets so, you know, one extreme example might be uh, people who don't take a promotion at work because they're afraid that they're going to have to interact with more people and that they feel bad about that. They yeah. want their promotion, but they're afraid of some of the things associated with that. That would be more the impairment and distress, but not just being introverted in the first place. Another really great question. So, uh, what, what, are, what is our time now? We could probably do one uh, yeah, more. Yeah, let's do one more. Okay. Uh, so our our last of our uh, McElroy and my brother, my brother and me, uh, the my psychologist and and me uh, <laughs> tribute episode. Our last question that we have here is how can I get better self esteem? Uh, this is a really great question, and I think maybe something that's uh, it was another anonymous as uh, post, and that's okay. Um, but the answer is there are probably a lot of ways. I mean, that's kind of a broad question, but I think low self-esteem is actually something that a lot of people uh, handle, or not handle, but deal with, or are trying to deal with, perhaps. And I think it kind of goes back to taking a look at the impairments and figuring out what what is it that's keeping your self-esteem esteem down. Uh, are there interpersonal sort of problems in your life? You're not getting along with family or friends or romantic partners. Uh, is there some sort of occupational reason you're not happy uh, with what you're studying at school or your, your job that you have, or maybe you can't find employment and that's keeping your self-esteem down. 
Um, it could be any number of those things. It could be maybe related to health reasons. And I think what's important is to take a look and see, you know, is this a situation where you're having a low point and everyone has ups and downs or highs and lows? Or is it that you have, uh, is it low self-esteem or are you experiencing depression or a major depressive episode, which is a diagnostic, uh, a very specific mental health disorder. And I think it's, it's probably hard for people because I don't know people who don't study mental health or have a background in this. Where do you learn about this stuff? I'm not sure. From, I don't know. I, I guess I don't actually know. So you, if, you ask on Yahoo or Google it, right? I Yahoo. mean, that's a yeah, lot of this is what do. it is. And and the sad reality, I think, in my perception, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, is that there's a lot of misinformation about mental health. So I think, you know, if you have low self-esteem, maybe that's the time to go talk to someone and see. Maybe it's something much worse than low self-esteem. I don't know. It's hard to say, but uh, I guess the answer, my going back to our first question, maybe is is to talk to someone. Um, things that you can do yourself, though, there are a number of them. Uh, humor is one. Uh, making sure you're getting appropriate sleep, uh, enough sleep. You have a normal sleep schedule. Uh, you're eating. Uh, you're eating well. Getting some exercise can really help. Uh, these are all things that can. Having social support. Uh, these are all things that can help. And I think there's probably a lot of individual differences and personalization in that. Um, for me, just like everyone else, I have highs and lows. And one thing that I always do when I'm having a low point is watch The Office. Yeah. And I know we've talked about The Office of Narnia, but that's something I've done for a long time. Mm -hmm. now. And, and it always helps my mood. I, I People who know me know I'm a huge fan of the show. And, and it's something that helps pick me up and, and remind me maybe to not take things quite so seriously and that things will be all right. And uh, it's just... It's just going to be a little downtime, and I'll be back to where I might, you know, sort of baseline. So, anything to add to that, Katie? It's kind of a, it was a very disjointed answer, so I apologize for that. I didn't prepare my thoughts ahead of time on that one, so I was kind of all over the place. No, I didn't think you were all over the place. I thought that was that was great and very relatable. I think that um, no, you're right. That that's where art in the form of even The Office, a funny show. Again, to many people, it's kind of a, it's a silly show, mm -hmm. but. You know, we've talked about this. This can be very meaningful to people, and and I relate to what you're saying because I do have kind of go-to music or go-to mm -hmm. podcasts or things like that when I'm trying to lift my mood. Um, I think you all of it's very good. You know, if it, it's hard to know what the source of the low self-esteem is, so uh, talking to a therapist and seeing if it's part of depression is is a good idea. Taking care of yourself, like mm -hmm. you said. Um, the other thing that I might add is that sometimes people feel bad about themselves and it might it might be appropriate for some people maybe they did something some kind of misstep or mistake and so you can work on repairing that by making amends with the person or making up for mm -hmm. it and sometimes that can help to make you feel better and another part of it is in this question the person is saying they get compliments and they don't believe them and there is a specific cognitive or thought distortion that's been identified in therapy for that, which is when you disqualify positive comments. Mm -hmm. So when people say something negative, you believe it, but when it's positive, you think they're just being nice. And so in therapy, or if you're interested in some of the self-help books out there, um, the good ones, so Feeling Good mm -hmm. New Mood Therapy by David Burns is a good one about cognitive behavioral therapy. It teaches you to more realistically look at the evidence for, did they really mean that compliment or were they just being nice? And so part of it can just be saying thank you and trying to accept positive information about yourself rather than dismissing it. And I think that, you know, what Brandon said, a big part of our motivation is that there is a lot of misinformation on the internet. And that's a big reason why we have our website and our podcast is we're hoping to get 
scientifically accurate information out there. Um, that being said, we do encourage you, if you are having struggling problems, to meet with people in your own area. Those are our disclaimers on our website and also our advice podcast because we only see one question. We don't know the whole yes. context. Absolutely. Uh, it's very, mental health and people are very complex, mm-hmm. uh, multifaceted sort of uh, phenomena. So, yeah, everything, none of this is sort of uh, advice for anyone. Or it's not fit all sort of end all yeah. advice. Yeah. It's hopefully a starting point yes. with some ideas about where to look. Yes, a, a, a good jumping off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, we better wrap it up there, of course. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this McElroy Brother inspired episode. I know we really enjoyed it, just like we enjoy every episode here at the Jelly Council podcast. Um, I wanted to take a quick moment to offer you our classic closing segment. Pearls of Wisdom with Brandon. Uh, thanks for stopping in for this week's Pearl of Wisdom. What I've got for you this week is a two-part Pearl of Wisdom. Part one, if you're experiencing any problems related to psychology, mental health, uh, post it on Yahoo Answers? No, no, <laughs> just kidding. That was a fake Pearl of Wisdom. Uh, the real answer is... But so you effectively made an example of bringing up the absurdity of the situation. It did, absolutely. Um, I, so I'm not ultimately very well versed in Yahoo Answers. Maybe people actually do get helpful advice on it. I don't Sometimes, know. but it's pretty hit or miss. I would suspect so. More with the myths. And I would say, especially when you're dealing with something like mental health, uh, I would I would scout your sources a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, be selective. Be yeah. selective when you're seeking out advice. There are a lot of really wonderful resources, and you can go ahead and count us among them. Uh, you know, if you're looking for resources, we're happy to to help you find resources. Mm-hmm. And we also have some listed on our website. I'm I'm interfering on your pro no, you're just segment, fine. This we, is all part. It's all one big pro. Okay. A team pro. Perfect. No, absolutely. So yeah, we have mental health resources on our website. Yes. And, and that might be a way to look at some of the types of therapy we talked about, how to find a therapist and things like that. Yeah, but also, absolutely. you can email us. And we'll try to help you as best we can. Yeah, we're always able to help uh, help people try to find resources the best that we can. Uh, so that's actually is the secret pearl wisdom. So I had the goof pearl wisdom. The secret one is if you find yourself in a situation where you might need some help, please reach out. That's really what it boils down to. There are a lot of really great people out there who are willing to help you uh, get to a place in your life where you want to be. Uh, anything else to add to that, Katie? That's perfect. Nothing uh, to add. Great. So I also wanted to do a couple of really quick uh, call-outs, shout-outs. Call-outs are kind of negative. Yeah, general, when you're calling someone out. Yeah, that's not they good. Did that's wrong. not what I meant. I'm going to do <laughs> Time a, to get called out, yeah, people. <laughs> I'm going to do uh, the opposite of shout-out. What stands terms of call-out versus shout-out? Subtle the same thing, but, but also hugely different implications. I'm going to do a shout-out, two of them, actually. The first is to Alex Hogland. He sent us a really great email uh, explaining uh, he really enjoyed the podcast, and, and I can't thank folks enough who are kind enough to let us know some feedback. He gave some interesting suggestions that I look forward to incorporating in the future, and we're always open to feedback. We want to make this as useful, funny, interesting, and, uh, and just overall as high quality as we can for everyone. So we're always open to that feedback. Thank you, Alex. Yes, thank, thank you. you very much, Alex. Uh, anyone else who wants to email us can reach us at uh, JediCouncilBlog at gmail.com. 
Uh, another person is Chelsea Rosa. Uh, she's tweeted at us a few times in the past. I don't think we've ever given her uh, a thanks on air. She tweeted today she was enjoying our Dr. Horrible Saga, so we really appreciate that you're listening in. Uh, I suppose at the time that you're listening to this, that'll be about a week ago, so it won't be today that you've tweeted at us, but maybe. I, maybe I'm telling the future. Uh, <laughs> no. So we really appreciate you, you sure do. and everyone who tweets at us. We, I, I want to... I want to make it a personal goal for myself to do more to thank folks who reach out to us. I know we always really appreciate everyone who takes the time to tweet at us, tweet about us, leave us a review, uh, or send us a message. We've had folks message us on Facebook as well. I know I think our Facebook page gets a little less attention than our Twitter, and that's okay. Um, but we just it's harder to see those posts. It, it's harder for us to see limited. them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but we appreciate everyone who reaches out uh, through whatever means works best for them. Yeah. Uh, so I think we'll probably wrap it up there. So. Uh, thanks so much for listening in, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week with our next episode. If you'd like to, if you'd like to get a question answered on there, I think we'd be happy to answer mm -hmm. uh, questions. Oh, yeah. uh, otherwise, let us know if there's any specific topics, characters, or anything that you'd like to hear us talk about. And uh, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, closing sec. Uh, have you seen the movie Anchorman? Yes, I have. Uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> <laughs>